Two brothers would united form the Pixar Majors with the power to review Pixar movies and basically say anything that comes to their mind. Fighting the powers of evil with their mouths, their mouths, with their mouths. Here's your hosts, Jake and Eli Hollingsworth. Hello everyone, I'm Eli Hollingsworth and I'm joined by my brother and co-host Jake Hollingsworth and greetings everybody, welcome back to the podcast And we have a good bit of news to cover today We have uh, not really had too much news to cover for the past few episodes Either that or we've just been forgetting uh, um, And there actually is, uh, I think, some things that I would like to go over that we uh, forgot to cover and missed in a few episodes past So, uh... Yeah, Jake, you just go ahead with what I know you are going to say. So, well, first I'm going to say that for last. Um, cause it's, um, first you're going to save it for last. All right, all the right. big thing is, okay, I'm going to say the, that big thing for last. Don't worry, we'll get to it. Um, but the thing is, as everybody knows, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt have been fan-casted as Reed Richards and... Uh, what's her face? Sue Storm. We talked about that on the first episode of our podcast. Oh yeah, funny. That's come full circle. Anyway, we all know that John Krasinski. Some, or some of you may not know, but John Krasinski and Emily Blunt have been fan favorites to play the, the to play Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman of the from the Fantastic Four in the MCU reboot. And that's been going on for a while now. Ever since, basically, ever since a Quiet Place came out, people have been fan casting them in those roles. But some sad news about that. It seems this is coming from a rumor that has not been confirmed, so don't go around believing this yet. But it may have some credibility. But what it says is that Emily Blunt, it seems, will not be doing Invisible Woman because she rejected, she turned down the opportunity to, to sign the multi-picture deal because she didn't want to interfere with family, with their family life. And so it seems like Je- it seems like Emily Blunt is now out of the running, and it seems like Jennifer Lawrence could be doing it now, which I would be fine with. But then now it's saying that John Krasinski is still in the running, but because Emily Blunt turned it down, he might turn it down too. Although that has not been confirmed yet, it seems. I still hope that John. If Emily Blunt's out, I hope John Krasinski is still in for it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, some more casting news. For the Mandalorian, Mina Masood. Oh, that's it. Why haven't we discussed that? Yeah, no, I was mad that we didn't cover this. Uh, yeah. So, for the Mandalorian, it was long leaked and rumored, and uh, like, you know, uh, just discussed uh, that uh, Mina Masood, who played Aladdin in the 2019 Disney live-action film, was being eyed for the role of Ezra Bridger, an older Ezra Bridger, in in the Ahsoka show that he would be playing um, Ezra Bridger, yeah. And so recently he has kind of responded to those rumors and tweeted out a line. It was, uh, you can't keep me here. Uh, Let me find it. It was like, you can't, you can't keep me here, I'll tell someone about this or something oh wait it was when i escape i won't hurt you that's what it was and that uh, is like that a is... direct line from the show that is a like quote of ezra bridger from season two of star wars rebels the tv show uh from disney xd so that is somewhat confirming that or just teasing that he might be playing ezra bridger or at least has been talked to about it. Uh, and that is quite cool and quite interesting. Uh, because if you did not know, Aladdin is my favorite movie ever. Not just my favorite animated movie or something like that. Just or Disney movie, my favorite movie ever. And as much as I really do not like the live action remakes and just think they're just the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> and think they're just the dumbest thing ever. Uh... The, there's, um, what was I saying? 
the live-action Aladdin, I did not really think it was the greatest thing ever, let's just say that. It was just kind of a little bit less than okay. But I did think that Mina Masood was a charming Aladdin in his own way for what they were going for with the live-action movie. So that was very exciting to hear that he could potentially be playing Ezra Bridger in The Mandalorian. But, I mean, not but, um, Mina, I think Mina Masu would be a good choice. And I think, I don't think there's any reason that he would say no. Because he's not really getting much stuff right about now. Because he said that after Aladdin, he, he had trouble getting auditions for stuff. But he did get a role, I did hear recently, he got a role for some Netflix original movie. Oh, really? That's like a, that's like kind of like, um, fantasies almost sort of kind of thing. I don't exactly know too much. I forgot what it's called, but I think he, he was recently cast in it, so he's getting something. Yeah, good for him that he's finding more work. Uh, yeah. Well, he, like before Aladdin, he was only on like some like Hulu show, I think. Yeah. I don't even know what it's called. Oh, yeah, I think I remember that. Uh, I don't remember what it was about or anything like that. I just remember that um, show. But uh, we have uh, another thing from this came. This was more recently. I don't remember how many days ago this was, but this was recently. That Andrew Garfield's stunt double uh, tweeted out, or no, it was Instagram, right? Something, something Instagram. social media. Instagram. It was a YouTube live stream. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he, it was tweeted. He tweeted out. No, it's not on Instagram. Instagram, yes, okay. <laughs> Whatever. Because Twitter's dumb. Uh, he, he put on his Instagram a, a like little video of him doing some kind of stunt or something. Uh, and people are thinking this is for Spider-Man 3. And what may... I mean... So I think what confirms this even more is that in the description of this post, he tagged Tom Holland's stunt double... Well, I forget the name of, but he tagged him, and this is very interesting. It seems as if, it was, so this guy is Andrew Garfield's stunt double from The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and The Amazing Spider-Man 5000, and uh, the, the Amazing Spider-Man 5000 does not exist. I was just kidding. Please don't. Um, <laughs> uh, but he, he is Andrew Garfield's stunt double, and so this is interesting. There was also even a possible Andrew Garfield sighting really? on the set. Really? But I do not think it. it was basically it was a guy with brown with like Andrew Garfield's stylish hair wearing a black mask and a Spider-Man outfit. Oh really? But whether or not that was him is debatable. Yeah, that's a de- de- that's debatable. Uh, uh, yeah. So, but this is interesting and quite uh, interesting. It is interesting and quite interesting, uh, and even more so that he tweeted, or that he tweeted on Instagram, Tom Holland stunt double. Yeah, I think he also They're tagged colliding. Spider-Man No Way Home. Also, one more thing before I get to the big reveal. There's another rumor that went out. I think this was either today or yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Was it a tweet that it a had? Rumor. It was an Instagram post where someone tweeted someone in a YouTube live stream, right? No. It's actually from our guy, Mikey Sutton, who is an insider from Marvel Studios. Ah. And he's saying that Sony is apparently wanting to get Garfield and McGuire on board. And that at some on some talk show before Spider-Man No Way Home comes out, they're going to put them both together on a talk show. And they're going to officially confirm that they're going to be in Spider-Man No Way Home to set the hype to maximum. Hmm. <laughs> that's, the, that's their supposed plan. Like, they're going to put both of them... Not, I don't, they never said anything about Tom Holland. They said they're going to put Toby and Andrew together and then on some talk show, and then they're going to officially confirm their roles in No Way Home. Yeah, that's like a pretty good plan. Because everyone's going to be like, What am I this? But that's not even the big thing. Although this has been a, a bunch of big news, anyway. There's, now, there's an even bigger news that came out today. Mm-hmm. I didn't see this until recently. Until, like, later in the day. They, oh, yeah, I know this. So we've had these... Rumors for a super long time. Well, not well, we've always had these rumors and like all these predictions, like with Black Widow and, and basically it's just like people thinking it could still get a theatrical release while others saying it should go to Disney Plus. And then Disney, and then there was a rumor that they were that Marvel was reworking all the actors' contracts to include Disney Plus releases. And then there was, a, and then this, the Bob Bob Iger came out and said that 
they'll that Black Widow's release is gonna be a last minute thing. And then officially today they confirmed they officially confirmed that Black Widow will be coming out in theaters and on Disney Plus with Premiere Access on July 9th, 2021. Therefore bumping Shang-Chi in the Legend of the Ten Rings back to September of 2021, while the rest of the slate remains unchanged. Yeah. As of this moment. Quite annoying. Because this is just money, money, money. They're like, ooh! Let's push it back so we can have it in the theaters and get more money. Ah. Well, it's going to Disney Plus and theaters. Yeah, they can like go to theaters. They're just like, no, we have to get it into theaters as soon as possible so we can earn the most money. So basically, after we finish our Falcon and the Winter Soldier coverage, we're going to have to wait a little bit longer for more Marvel stuff. Yeah. Well, it's nice to get a break. Well, actually, no. We, we actually know. I was about to say we have we all have to wait until Black Widow, but there's actually Loki in June. Oh, so those are going to be kind of at the same time. Then. Yeah, they still haven't said anything about what if. All they've said is that it's summer of 2021. And then they released some new posters for Loki. They did. It was like one new poster, which looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I'm still not very excited for the Loki show, but it should be interesting. It looks very interesting. I'm very excited for it. Alright, anyway, that was the longest news segment of the year 2021. They're big news stuff, too. too Oh, yeah. Uh, So, let's get into our main topic of today, which is our second official theory on the podcast. (laughs) Official theory, not some weird other theories. But, yeah, so this theory states that Russell is the well actually so credit goes to both of us for this um theory so there's so yeah we're not gonna get mad at each other uh so yeah russell's uh, let me start over all right so this theory states that russell and the wilderness exp- wilderness explorers are the key to uh the by and large eve uh directive nonsense that's going on there uh and Partly that the captain from Wally, his name is Captain from Wally, uh, is a descendant of Russell. Because last time when we were watching the movie, Jake was like, Jake just made this off just joke where he was like, oh, he kind of looks like Russell. <gasps> He's Russell's descendant. And that got my <laughs> gears turning, and I went, whoa. And I started thinking about it. And uh, now we have a th- um, the theory to share. New Pixar theory. Yes, this uh, and this is taking the Pixar theory for granted uh, that all of the Pixar, that all of the Pixar movies are connected and they do exist in the same universe. I didn't think about that, but I'll accept it. So, sadly. with that in mind, Up and Wally are connected. But only Although those I think, two. I think in the chronological order of the Pixar movie, uh, I think that I don't know. It's probably not Wally happens after Up, but you know. No, I think it is. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so. Um, this theory is so the wilderness explorers friend to all Kaka Rar uh, and Russell being kind of the main uh, the only one of the or the main wilderness explorer that we see and one of the two that speaks <laughs> so Russell is kind of our big lead here and uh, so Russell being kind of our main wilderness explorer guy we are going to assume that Russell grows up to be a great wilderness explorer leader, and he kind of takes over uh, the wilderness explorer. Not takes over, but he like gets in charge of the wilderness explorers. Uh, and so now, somewhere along the line, we have this enemy company uh, to the wilderness explorers called By and Large, making everything convenient and easy for people. And you know, there's all this new technology and stuff, and so. The Wilderness Explorers and the, by and large, by and BML, are kind of, uh, you know, on opposite sides of the spectrum here, where the Wilderness Explorers are friend to nature, friend to all, kaka rar, and by and large is just making everything, you know, new and technology uh, stuff and uh, being kind of harmful to the environment. Uh, so these two companies are kind of competing. And because the wilderness explorers see the dangers of by and large's, uh, you know, stuff that they're doing, how it could be harmful to nature, uh, and so they're just trying to kind of, um, uh, oops, uh, 
yeah, they're, they're, they're trying, they're kind of competing, they're not competing, they're like kind of rivals and kind of fighting each other. Uh, and then, you know, Russell kind of being the CEO is CEO of this wilderness explorer company, <laughs> I guess. I guess the wilderness explorers have some business company. Somehow, they do. And he's fighting the dangers of, by and large, his industry here. And they find, they, they obviously see the wilderness explorers that they're not exactly winning this kind of uh, civil war of nature versus technology. And uh, they come up with a failsafe because they see that the earth is getting all kinds of trash polluted on it and uh, things are not going as planned. So they s- kind of plan to take down by and large from the inside. Uh, and they create this um, protocol of nature to, or protocol of nature, that sounds so dumb. <laughs> that sounds like the cheesiest thing ever. The uh, protocol of nature. <laughs> uh, so they create this protocol, which is the directive that Eve has uh, to find life on Earth and bring the humans back and stop, or at least stop them from going out into space. Uh, and that they create this to kind of take down, by and large, from the inside. And uh, as the humans are leaving, or some are close to where the close to very close to up to the point when the humans leave in the axioms of the cruise ships to go fly out on their cruise into space, uh, by and large finds out about this this uh, plan and. The CEO, I forget his name, of by and large, uh, creates this protocol to stop the uh, wilderness explorers thing, <laughs> to uh, keep the humans out in space, so then they can continue taking over and keep the humans off the planet. I guess uh, there's a hole there, I think, because then what are the point of the Wallies? Uh, and they clearly state that they're trying to... Okay, so we got some holes to work out here. That's the general storyline that I've worked out this far. <laughs> and now we have some holes to work out here, alright? So in the movie, uh, the CEO is like... So the whole point is that while the humans are away, the Wallies will clean up the Earth. Uh, and so I guess you can say... And then, so they're gonna build these towers of trash, and then these big incinerator robots are gonna come in and kind of break the buildings down and incinerate them to get rid of the trash on the earth. That's what, by and large, is clearly stating that they're doing. So, uh, that's the plot hole. Uh, plot hole to this plot of wilderness explorers versus, by and large, W, the Wii versus Benel, uh movie that they're gonna come out with. I assure you. Uh, that's that's a hole, right? They, uh, yeah. That, okay, so the by and large company is so okay. That is, they have ulterior motives. This evil by and large company, right? They're so evil. Uh, they have this ulterior motive to uh, not. The Wallies are not gonna clean up everything. And they're going to do something evil. What are they going to do? The Wallies are going to clean up the earth. But not really. They're going to put the trash into little boxes. And make towers of them. And harm the wildlife. Harm. Uh. Uh. Yeah. They're spreading the trash all over the earth. And uh, taking away every last bit of, of green, I guess. I guess. And Wally is the whole point of Wally is that someone forgot to turn Wally off. That's what it is. Uh, and so you can t- we can take that and run with it to where uh, the wilderness explorers turned off. They they managed to shut down, turn off all of the Wally bots uh, from doing their evil plan, except Wally. Uh, and they did not turn off Wally, and I'll tell you why. Because Wally is defect. Uh, there is a, he was defective. He was the first. He was the original um, 
Wallybot that they built. And he was defective. He had a defect in his coding, in his programming. And uh, he wasn't... He was more... More like a human, kind of. To where he can kind of, like, make decisions and stuff. And he was more... Uh, kind of... Uh, curious and... And more wanting to just do his job of... Box up the trash. And he wasn't really, like... Uh, knowing of this. Or he wasn't really as following with the, by and large... Uh, all ulterior motives here to spread trash. He wanted to come back to trash. Uh, and this is, uh, stay with me here. He was a defect, and so they didn't, they cast him aside, kind of. And the normal, uh, human, the, the normal humans, the wilderness explorers, uh, they, since Wally is, you know, not there, not really a part of the other Wallys, they didn't shut this Wally bot down. Because uh, they didn't really think he was important. And so, this Wallybot is kind of where our story rises to the good of the wilderness explorers to defeat the evil, by and large, company and uh, save the humans. And there's one last thing that we need to talk about, though, right, Jake? And yeah. this is where the theory started from is that the captain is a descendant of Russell. Uh, and because of this, the captain has kind of the same love of uh, nature and, uh, like, living, human, you know, survival, or living, <laughs> not survival. He makes that very clear. Uh, as Russell did when he was all the way, you know, all the way back when, 700 years ago. Uh, and since he's a, he has that's when that's why he's so just willing to go straight back to earth and he's uh without knowing it kind of on the side of the wilderness explorers uh and he is you know that's why he has all of this you know he he is uh he's so excited to learn about nature and everything and he is kind of the the uh main driving force in the human population getting back to normal and um uh you know repopulating regrowing everything he is kind of the main guy who pushes humanity forward uh yeah so that is that theory ha i had about half of that done and i was just making it up as i go the whole wilderness explorers by and large war thing that one's actually kind of interesting. I never envisioned that for the theory. Exactly. I just took it and run with it. One ran joke with I it. made it, becomes yeah. this. Yeah, this I actually kind of like it. War between the wilderness explorers and by and large, this evil, you know, kind of like Oscorpish company, uh, and the wilderness explorers fighting for the survival of humanity, and the e- evil it's the empire and control. the rebels. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Uh, the evil by and large company kind of reigning over and uh, taking all or trying to make I don't know robots I guess and all thanks and, and Russell's descendant was able to stop that well also with the help of Wally this defective so okay robot. hopefully people like this theory because I know I like it <laughs> and I hope you guys understand I need how to write this down like you need to you should have been writing this down as I was saying it so you can follow and kind of just see the story all at once. Because I was just kind of like making it up as I go. I had something. I was like, okay, so I know I'm going to do something with the Wilderness Explorers. Like the symbol of the Wilderness Explorers could kind of be like the symbol of the like life directive stuff with Eve. That little like plant uh, symbol that they have. You kind of be like that, so like, oh, maybe the wilderness explorers kind of turned into that little directive thing, and of course with the uh, the captain being Russell's descendant thing, I that was kind of stuff I was like, I knew I was kind of going to go in that direction. And as we kind of sat down and and I was just making it up as this whole wilderness explorers war between the wilderness explorers and by and large. And uh, it was pretty interesting, I guess. Yeah, pretty interesting theory. One joke led us to this. Yeah, and you could even incorporate this into the Pixar theory, I guess. I don't know, Rise of the Humans. 
because there's what the main parts of the Pixar theory are the rise of the animals, the rise of the machines, the rise of the toys, or is the no the toys are in the animals category, right? I don't, I don't, I don't remember. All these rises, and I think humans is the rise of one of them or something. So that is that. Hope you enjoyed this theory. <laughs> Because I enjoyed uh, kind of thinking about it and coming up with it as we go along. Uh, yeah, so that was pretty fun to come up with. Uh, and we might be able to... Come you up should with... write this down when this podcast is over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, I will either be writing this down or if I've written this down. Yeah, so that was fun to come up with. And we'll I'll probably delve more into it and come up with more stuff and just watch the movie repeatedly. To, uh, get more of a feel for it uh yeah so let's just get to talking about this beautiful movie that we're about to talk about but first you know it's time for oh right? uh, yeah sponsorship, sponsorship. Found Barnaby out there start the beginning. out there there's a world outside of yonders Way out there beyond this hick town, Barnaby. There's a slick town, Barnaby. Out there, full of shine and full of sparkle. Close your eyes and see it. Listen, Barnaby. All right. Uh, Listen, Barnaby. Put on your Sunday clothes. Yep, that's the opening song of Wally. Uh, this Are you gonna do this film. now? What? For every single podcast episode that we do, in the second half, at the beginning, you're gonna play a song that the movie plays. What, are you kidding? Of course I am. So that's gonna become a regular thing now? Yeah, we have this new feature, why not utilize it? I mean, right? I mean, it's just like... <laughs> Oh, I was totally off pitch. Alright, SMH. Wally, yes, this beautiful, just just fantastic film that I gotta say it replaces Toy Story as my fifth favorite Pixar film after seeing it this most wow. recent time. Yeah, and maybe even Incredibles, uh, my number four. Well, I don't know. Incredibles, I don't know. Mm, maybe. I think though. Incredibles better than Wally. Uh, yeah, but this is my top five. Not yours. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe. I don't know if I'd say... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Incredibles is a tough one to beat. Uh, but yeah, this movie is just absolutely amazing. And Celebration of humanity. And life. And also... And nature. I think this would also be a really cool movie to see in live action. Oh, really? Yeah, because we, we talked about last episode, what makes our films look be really cool, which ones would be really weird in live action. This is an example of one that would be really cool to see in live action. Yeah, I don't want a live action remake of Pixar's, but... Uh, yeah. This is a celebration of nature and humanity. And speaking of humanity, that is a segue that I... That was kind of a forced segue because I just repeated myself. Uh, but this is a segue into our behind-the-scenes nugget of today. Which is that, uh, originally in Wally, you weren't going to see humans at all. What? We were never going to meet any humans. How would that have worked? There would have been no talking in the movie? Humans would have gone up in this... Uh, no, there would have been talking, but I'm going to tell you. Oh. Humans would have gone off on this uh, on their cruises, and they all would have been scattered throughout the galaxy or whatever. And uh, Wally would still... It's still a love story between Wally and Eve, and they still go on their little adventure. But instead of going to the Axiom and finding humans, they go to a separate uh, castle type thing. Or I think it's still a spaceship, maybe. I don't remember exactly what it was. But they find these aliens that are like blobby jello creatures. And there's like a king and Wait a queen a and a prince. It's crazy. It That's crazy. where the inspiration for the blobby humans came from. You're right on the nose. Uh, so I got it right. They were like, because when they decided, like two and a half years before they were going to release the movie, they decided. To change it to humans, they just kind of changed the humans, just the blobby gelatinous creatures. Was there only a prince? Or were you, were there you was there? a king and a queen and a prince. Okay. And not just them. There was like a whole group of people. Okay. 
There's also a captain who was supposed to be a lot... Uh, and originally, the captain was supposed to be a lot more, like, dumb. Because he was going to have his, like, hat on backward or, like, upside down. His hat on upside down. And they just thought it was too dumb because you can literally see pictures of other captains wearing it correctly. So it's like, well, this guy's just too dumb. And so they changed him to a human, flipped the hat around, and just made him from a blobby gelatinous thing. Into a blobby human. Blob, blobby gelatinous human. Exactly. So, that is our behind-the-scenes nugget, is that originally, while he was going to travel into space and find a bunch of aliens instead of a bunch of humans, uh, and that they then got turned into humans. There. Now, let's go into talking about the movie. So, this movie is just absolutely amazing. It's I a love great this movie. movie. This is, like, just amazing. It starts out with this really intriguing opening of where if we haven't seen, the, if we hadn't have seen the movie thousands of times, probably even, well, sort of millions of times <laughs> uh, throughout our lives, that you'd probably just be like, what is happening? What are they going for? What is just, what is going on here? They're just this robot going about in this desolate uh, wasteland. I kept joking that what if that was what today's world looks like? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is it, just this desolate awful. wasteland that, uh, and you're like, what is happening? What is going on? What is this robot? What is it? What is it? They, what are they doing? What is their purpose in life? <laughs> Not in life, but you know, it's whatever. And then you see all these other robots, and they have this little exposition thing of the where he walks by commercials, which was a clever way to kind of do that exposition, uh, like that they needed there. Of them walking by and there's commercials. Because the robots don't talk. Wally does not speak. Yeah, there's no like, there's hardly any speaking for the first half of this movie, which is a bold choice to make. And so they're taking risks. They're just doing this highly ambitious film. Uh, this is this love story between Adam and Eve. And, 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 I always want to say that. Wally and Eve. Between Wally and Eve, uh, which is, that that's the center of this film. And then also on top of it is the, are these amazing themes, subtle, there's subtle theme about, uh, uh, like nature and conserve as we touched on nature with the theory uh well no i mean yeah kind of uh and then also you know humanity and all that stuff so it just makes for a beautiful movie that i just absolutely love and uh yeah very good movie awesome fantastic movie just it's poetry Speaking of the captain, well, not speaking of the theory, I liked the captain in this movie. Oh, yeah, the captain was very good. He was very funny as being just like, you know, basically just being a representation of what humanity has become. In today's world? In, in the 700 years later. Hopefully not 700 years from now. <laughs> well, I think it... I think it's 700 years from 2015, right? Because, like, I think it's 2015. It's, like, 1,715 that it takes place in. I think so. I don't really know. Okay, I don't pay attention to it. We're going down to the ground. There's no better place to go. We got snow up on the mountains. We got rivers down Great song by... Uh, Peter Gabriel and Thomas Newman and the Soweto Gospel Choir. Gospel Choir. The That's a very good song. That's the song that plays at the end credits. So this movie is, like I said before, I just, this movie is just amazing. Like one of the most just beautiful pieces of uh, movie media that is just exists out there. And it is just so good because there's this love story between Wally and Eve, and there's this, wait a second, I forgot something about the theory. What? Ba-da-ba. Uh, so, okay, I guess we can get into that later, but as I explain this overall thing, of uh, Wally, you know, finding this, this plant, who's, Wally, who's just dedicated to doing his job, that because, like it's, like they just say, there's a concept for the movie, someone just forgot to turn him off, and so he's just going about his daily business, so if they forgot to turn him off, he became like how he is now? He's just doing what all Wally robots did, basically. Oh. He just has a little bit more curiosity and wonder, I guess. Probably because he's older or something. Or because, like the theory states, he's a defect. He's a in, defect. In the programming. 
So that's that. And uh, he just has a little bit more curiosity, and so that's why he collects things and wonders about things. And uh, he finds this sign of life, this one little hope of this plant that is in this boot that uh, even more suggesting, because you have the cockroach, which is like the only living thing on the planet, and you have uh, this plant, which was hidden in a refrigerator, which are supposedly able to survive a nuclear blast. Supposedly, yeah. If you, it's supposed that if you go inside a refrigerator, that you'll survive a nuclear blast, as seen in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> and it's rumored that cockroaches can survive a nuclear blast. But those have never been confirmed. Indiana Jones four never showed that. <laughs> well, so, so so what? It's not a nuclear science lesson. <laughs> well, it should be. It's a not like Indiana Jones is just like this is all the possibilities of surviving a nuclear blast. You make him sound German. I wasn't saying that's what Indiana Jones specifically sounds like. I was just saying that's kind of what the movie is doing. Oh. Like, I'm just saying, it like, I don't know, just the base, that's what the movie sounds like. <laughs> okay, never mind. Uh, that's what the heart of the movie sounds like. So, but, yeah, Wally finds this plant and sort of his first glimpse into uh, something that's, like, moving and uh, this something else than what he's been seeing for 700 years is Eve, and it's love at first sight, uh, and then he just becomes wildly in love, because this is something outside of what he's been used to and seeing for 700 years. And he starts to chase... And so this first little thing that he sees... Which, by the way, is sort of, sort of a Bible reference, because the first thing that he meets... Is a female robot. Okay, wait. No, and no, her no. name is no, wait, 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 wait. Okay, I got it. I got it. Oh, oh, you mean Eve, referencing Adam and Eve. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sort of. There is vaguely. A, you could argue that this is a metaphor for the Noah's Ark, um, Bible story, because uh, you know they go away because they're the humans go away on this big ship because of uh, you know a. Uh, uh, natural disaster that could destroy human life and uh that was caused by the humans <laughs> yep it's human's uh, fault. that's why that humans were so sinful and then god had to wipe all humans from the earth and so in this case it was humans just made a bunch of trash everywhere and just forgot to clean it up the themselves. robots couldn't clean it up which is why people you shouldn't litter otherwise we will have to live in that world yeah so so it's just kind of pollution and then the humans have to go away on this in this ship, this giant ship that holds them all, and they all go away until the coast is clear. And for the coast to be clear, you could argue that uh, Wally is the the crow or the other bird that they sent out first. That went. no, I say Eve is. No, no, because no, see, Wally is the fr- they sent out two birds, like a crow and a dove, and you could argue that Wally is kind of the crow because he was sent, or he wasn't kind of sent, but he was there and he didn't come back. Yeah. He didn't find anything. And then Eve is the dove that they sent out that found the little sign of plant life and brought it back. And uh, that's how they knew it was okay to come home. So you could argue that Wally is a metaphor of Noah's Ark, but uh, I don't know if that's exactly what the filmmakers intended when they were making the movie. They never mention it. So it is kind of a metaphor for that. And... Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I guess you could argue that. But Wally, so he sees Eve, and it's love at first sight because this is his first little glimpse of what, you know, something other than what he's been seeing his whole life. So, of course, it's love at first sight. And he's just wildly chasing around and following around. And one of the signs of love that he thinks is real from watching this old uh, Broadway show that was made into a movie, Hello, Dolly, is uh, he thinks that two you know, people holding, holding hands... hands. Yeah. He thinks that is, like, the sign of, like, just amazing love and affection for someone. And so he thinks that's that's kind of the way. And so he's trying to win Eve over, and he's just trying to get her to love him. And so he kind of gets to feel for himself all of the details and intricacies and all of the baggage (laughs) that comes with love. And uh, it's not, like, as simple. And so he's trying all these things, and he's doing stuff, and... uh, and finally, what happened? What is the thing that wins Eve over? 
uh, the plant thing. No, 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 because he gets her into his little house. Oh, wait, no. It's when she's just flying around shooting and destroying stuff, and so she's, like, sitting there, uh, and then he just kind of goes over and he, you know, starts talking to her, which, by the way, uh, throughout up to this point in the movie, the only thing that has kept you captivated is one of two things or both at the same time. One is the score by Thomas Newman, cousin of Randy Newman, who is an amazing composer. Both are amazing composers. Uh, Randy Newman, songwriter. And he just does an amazing job with the score. And I knew it was his score when we were listening to it. I didn't know beforehand watching it this time. But listening to it, I was like, oh, this is Randy Newman's style. This is definitely his score. I was like, I, I said, I bet you it's Randy Newman. Or Randy Newman, Thomas Newman. Uh, and it was. Sure enough, it was. And that was... Either that or the sound design by Ben Burt, who is the sound designer of Star Wars. Yep, he also he did the noises for RG2 and pretty much everything in the Star Wars world. Yes, so Wally and uh, R2-D2 have, you could argue that they have the same voice. They do. R2-D2 is Ben Burt's own voice mixed ben? with baby sounds and whistles. R2-D2 and... was, I think that was, R2-D2 was created from Ben from making baby noises into a microphone. It's created for, from actual baby noises i'm pretty sure there i think so yeah and whistles and beeps and whatnot uh and mixed in with his voice and wally is ben bird's voice just like put through a synthesizer and he played with it and raised the pitch and made it sound robotic so ben bird that's why he is listed as wally in the cast because he was just playing around with the sounds and he just found a voice that worked for wally uh mm-hmm. and so Wally has this scene with Eve where he's uh, trying to, you know, connect with her. And I think the one thing, the thing that really wins her over is when she finds um, all that video footage of Wally, like un- of Wally, like dragging her around, like protecting her from the rain, you know, going out on that boat thing. Yeah, well, that happens, like it hasn't that. happened yet. I know. But I think that's the part uh, that wins yeah. her over. Yeah, definitely, because she sees, uh, you know, Wally's true, you know. Uh, affection for and and love for Eve, and so this is definitely a very great love story as well as all of the other stuff that is in this movie. And uh, you know, it is just a very beautiful movie. Yeah, it's a great uh, because really you good. have this main character who is very likable, and you have these villains, if you could call them villains, the AI on board the Axiom, who are not. They don't even have evil intentions. They're just following protocol, basically. Yeah. This is their. This isn't just in their programming, and it's kind of just f- more free-willed robots versus robots who uh, had their own intentions. They want to help yeah. the humans get back to Earth and repopulate. Operation Recolonize. No, I'm saying Wally and Eve are the free-willed humans, and the other oh. the free-willed humans, the free-willed uh, robots, and these other robots are the ones who are just strictly by the protocol. By the following by protocol. The <laughs> it's either by the books or following protocol, not both. Uh, they're just following protocol, you know, by the books, just doing what they're literally told to do uh, with uh, Otto, who is has A113 literally on his face. If you guys didn't catch that, yes. then <laughs> sorry. Yeah, just give yourself the slap on the face because uh, you missed the A113. But don't hit yourself too hard. Yeah. And then also, <laughs> and um, if you don't even know what you were talking about, we have an episode, the Pixar Easter Eggs Explained, and you can go listen to that or listen to our Toy Story episode, season four, episode one. Go check them out, and we'll give you nothing. We won't give you anything, actually. I don't know. I'm not going to There's also it. a pretty obvious Easter egg in this movie, and that's when Eve is searching around, doing her job, trying to find plant life. There is a pizza planet truck that she opens up the card, the hood of, and closes. Yeah. So, that's the same thing. If you guys didn't catch that, then you guys should probably just slap yourselves in the face. But don't do it too hard. No, no, no. Don't slap yourself at all. I mean, this is a free country. We're not going to make you do anything. Uh, yeah, free country. Or it is as of this moment. Oh. Yeah, I don't know about in the future. But we'll just hope that it stays free. But anyway, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a really great movie. I liked, um, well... Whatever casting there was in this movie. Oh, I'm not done. I'm not done. I am far from done. Uh, so, yeah, this whole, you know, robots. I wasn't, I wasn't done either. I was just talking. 
I thought you were just wrapping up. You're like, oh, hold on. I was not wrapping up. Um, And like I was saying that whatever casting was done in this movie, that I liked it. Yeah, literally the voice of Eve, this is her only movie. What? Only movie. This is the only movie she's ever done. So she's dropped off the radar. I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know. If I'd say dropped off the radar, but this is the only movie that she's been in, as listed on iTunes. Has she been in any shows? No, I don't think so. Nope. Let's look that up. Uh, yeah. You keep so, talking about it. I'm going to this. Yeah. So this movie is just basically poetry. Uh, and then even once you get into the stuff of the Earth, and just kind of, the humans have just fallen so far from where we are now, or where we would be. They have just fallen so far, and they are just just these big blobs. They have very less bones, uh, and so humans are just not what they used to be. They're not very good. Uh, so they, uh, at this point in time, are just, you know, they've fallen. The humans are just not just very good at all, and... Uh, oh. What? So it says that the Elisa Knight, who was the voice of um, Eve, Elisa, Elisa, <laughs> Elisa Knight, she was the voice of Eve. She says that um, her first major role was in Cars, and she was one of the twins known as Tia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She did one. She was one of the people, and then she was also in Wally. And she was also she's only done the Cars shorts where the twins show up, and then that was it. Ah. Oh. So no movies. Just she was in Cars, Wally, and then all the Cars shorts that have the twins in them yeah all right interesting so she hasn't been anything else all right uh yeah so where was i yeah the humans have fallen so far i want to get to there they the humans are just yeah not what they used to be and so the captain is just kind of our best example of this he just everything is automatic uh everything is done for them they literally have food in a cup they don't literally don't have to do anything and so humans have just fallen so far and with this hope of this plant and uh, Wally kind of changing everything and Eve, uh, them kind of coming in and kind of giving the humans this w- a wake-up call uh, to say, hey, you know, you're not what you used to be. You need to get, you have like this other planet that you used to live on, which I think I think the captain knows about. And so he's excited when he sees that this, there's this hope that they can go back. And he starts researching about Earth. He doesn't quite get it because they haven't learned about it in so long. Uh, and he definitely, and he's, you know, he's just so excited. And Wally and Eve kind of made that happen because of uh, just this love story between them that affected these humans. And now they uh, just kind of literally in the captain's case stand up for themselves and uh come back to okay hey we're in charge here we can do things for ourselves and he takes off it's a simple thing as flipping the switch but it's also very metaphorical in that sense he puts the human uh the uh human race back on manual control and he's ready to go back into action and they go back to Earth, and uh, they they recolonize. They start, uh, you know, just building everything back up again to where they to get back to where they were, and they definitely, you know, and that's just powerful stuff. And even at the end, at the end of the uh, main title end credits thing, you can just see that Wally and Eve are standing there, and out of this just boot that. Uh, along with their help, changed everything and brought the human race back to its rightful glory. They have grown this giant tree out of it, symbolizing that, um, you know, this boot has just this one little seed of hope once planted in your, it can grow into this just massive thing. And, yeah, uh, that's kind of what Wally is. You know, he's, or this movie is, this basically the overall message all the things intertwine together while he sees eve and he just plants the seeds of love and it grows into this giant thing that while it's growing you know it grows branches and stuff and it and it helps you know the human race get back on his feet and bring the humans back to where they were 
and just you know, yeah again gives him a wake up call. Yeah. And there's just a lot of really powerful stuff in there, and it all just revolves around this central uh, relationship between Wally and Eve. This just love story, which is the center of this movie and the core of this movie, and it is a better love thing. story. Wait, go ahead. The main thing of this movie, uh, and that's what's kind of driving everything forward. And because of this, a they uh, change everything for the better. And it also is a better love story than Anakin and Padme. Yeah, what are you kidding? Of course it is. It's like this is probably one of the best love stories of all time. It's not cheesy. It's not like corny. It's it's real and it's human. So human in the, in the way that it goes about things, even though these are robots. And that is powerful stuff from this Andrew Stanton guy who made uh, Finding Nemo, which is an incredibly powerful movie also for fathers uh, as well as sons, which kind of has this dual uh, story. Yeah, there. we're going to about the dads. Uh, yes. No, yes. Dads. We can buy both dads and sons. And then Wally, which is sort of the story of, you know, humans and, uh, just kind of, you know, uh, humans re, you know, coming back to being themselves. And this other love story, which is kind of the main focus of the movie. And that is just powerful stuff and very great storytelling. And this is just a fantastic movie. I yeah, it is a great movie. I couldn't even say the, enough about it. The story it. is really good. I do like the story of it. And I think I, the film, this film also looks really good, too. Even though, it has, even though it has already come out. I liked Mo. Mo is, Mo is the best. Really? Yeah, I liked Mo. Mo is funny. He's always, like, cleaning up everything. And poor yeah, Mo. He yeah. has to clean up after Wally's tracks. Poor yeah. Mo. And, uh... Mentioning the look of this film, the uh, filmmakers use a new technique with the uh, camera lenses and stuff, and they made it more of a uh, like mm, higher, I guess, higher quality. You could say to uh, simplify it, I guess. <laughs> uh, lens, uh, quote unquote lens. This is all on the computer, so there's not really any real lenses, but they made it more like uh, cinematic and I guess higher quality. You could say uh, to where. When things are out of focus, instead of just blurring out, the it's just, you can see this in like a ton of you know big budget kind of IMAX movies nowadays, uh, especially if you look at Avengers Endgame. When things are out of focus, they kind of stretch vertically instead of just blurring. Like they'll just blur and they'll stretch up, upward, like they'll hmm. expand That's interesting. on a Y axis instead of an X and Y axis. Graphing. <sighs> Well, yeah, so that was um, pretty interesting, and a new technique which I wish they would, which I wish, uh, which I wish they would have uh, continued with throughout the other Pixar movies, but they didn't. They kind of didn't. So I think uh, so that's good. But yeah, yeah uh, that was a new technique that they used to really, and they because they want want to make this, they wanted to make this film feel like it was photographed, basically. Uh, yeah, and speaking of photographed, this is in fact Pixar's first. Movie to use live action in their movie. Yeah, because they had like actual humans, actual real live action humans filming some of those. Uh, yeah, so the commercials like, that at, you see. At Adam, Axiom scenes. <laughs> oh man, you're getting tons of Adam and Eve today. If you're not a Christian, I'm not sorry. Uh, but yeah, so. Neither am I. And like they have. So uh, then they have like them walking on green screens and doing stuff. So for the commercials that you see in this movie. The commercials are, yeah, real humans in these weird, like, red and white leotard, leotard, unitard things uh, that they were actually in, and they were just on this green screen set, and they were just doing stuff, and the cast and crew, or the cast, not really the cast, but the crew of this movie, they were, like, so excited, they were like, oh, yeah, you get to go on set, and you get to just do this, and lie, and this stuff, and it's not even interesting stuff in the live-action realm, like, this stuff is kind of boring. If you were just a live action actor and this was in a movie, like this is just boring stuff. But to the crew, they were like, "Oh yes, you you put this light here and it lights up there, and you can just tell them just change this, and it'll just change in real time." And everybody was just so excited about that, and it was just boring stuff uh, because they had just been working in animation for so long, and then they just uh, you know they get to go finally into this live action uh, realm, and they're like, "Oh wow, look at that! That's so awesome!" 
And then, you know, it's not really that exciting in the not really. real world. And they had this uh, famous cinematographer, I forget his name, but they had him come in uh, as a consultant to kind of help with lighting and, and blocking and uh, how to light someone, just put lights around them to make it look good and, uh, you know, just live action photography, live action photography and how lenses work and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and that was kind of how they, you know, they, that was a big, uh, thing for them to kind of inspire the look yeah. and feel of Wally, like when they're in the shopping mall and Wally, the shopping mall, <laughs> they're in the, the, the big mall place and the, like Wally runs to the door and then all the shopping carts come and crash on him. You can see the camera like zooming in kind of, and it goes out of focus for a second and so they kind of made that feel like that wasn't planned. That was kind of a blooper. Uh, that's what they kind of wanted to make that feel like. What part? Uh, when he's in the mall and he crashes into the door and the shopping carts come on. The, the camera zooms in and like, oh. gets out of focus for a second. Like where all the, where all the shopping <laughs> carts crash in the wall. Yes, 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 yes. And, that was uh, a blooper? Like, no. They they said they just wanted it to make it feel not planned, almost like a blooper, not like it, that was an actual blooper. Oh. Uh, and then Eve, like, is just kind of like out of focus, and she just stands there and shakes her head and goes away or something. Uh, like the, all those things, just to make that feel not really planned, or uh, just to give it this like uh, raw feel to it. Uh, and that certainly is a you know element that really was pretty cool to see in this movie and. Uh, that was, yeah, just very interesting to see. And, yeah, this movie is just fantastic. I can't say enough about this movie. There's just so much that it is just absolutely amazing. And I just, yeah, I just love this movie. I can't say enough about it. It might even be my number four. You know what? I don't care. I mean, I do care. Incredibles is an awesome movie. But I'm sorry. Wally's number four. I don't know. I think I put Incredibles over Wally. I'm sorry. How dare you? Why? It's so stinking good. It's like the best yeah, movie. it's really good. But I just watching this movie again, I'm just like, oh my goodness. This is like the most amazing thing I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Speaking of great. This, uh, one of the greatest, uh... Do your heart and do my... One of the greatest uh, musicians of all time, <laughs> Louis Armstrong. Which I noticed this. If uh, if you look at Andrew Stanton's uh, like film history, he really likes Louis Armstrong. Really? Because in Wally, he uses this song by Louis Armstrong. Yeah. And then in Finding Dory, he uses "What a Wonderful World" by Louis Armstrong. So uh, Andrew Stanton. Big Louis Armstrong fan. Hmm? Uh, that is interesting. That was interesting to me. Because I was listening to this song today, and I was like, hmm. I was like, wait a second. Andrew Stanton, he directed Finding Dory, and, and he directed Wally, and, and they both have Louis Armstrong songs. Oh, yeah, you know, I just uh, started this whole conspiracy board with the red yarn and the connected the dots and everything, and I officially decided maybe Andrew Stanton likes louis armstrong wow huh. that's amazing that was the, just the boldest statement of the century uh so anyway i was i just realized this one part that i had left out of our big conspiracy theory of the war between wilderness explorers and by, by and large uh fighting over in nature and that's the plant and this is where russell and russell's descendant comes in so uh, the war between, by and large, and the wilderness explorers turns from civil to violent, I guess you could say. And, uh, by and large, decides to use nuclear weapons. Hmm. Interesting. They start dropping nukes, and, uh, that's the whole cockroach, uh, nuclear explosion thing. That's Wally why he survives and all his friends are destroyed, and then that's how he gets to the world that he's in now. Wait, I'm not done. This is not. This is just the beginning of this vast, expanding war of the wilderness explorers, and by and large, uh, so they they so after the 
wilderness explorers shut down all of the Wallybots, uh, by and large, decides to fire back. And they start dropping nukes. They start using nuclear weaponry, which is insane. But by and large, as we all know, is an evil and insane over-controlling company that is needs to be taken down and is super evil. According to the movie majors. And we're trademarking that and now I want and now we have to have a quarter every single time somebody says our theory. Mm. Uh, so they start using nuclear weaponry, that's why only the cockroach survives. And before the rest of so the rest the humans are sent up into space and the nuclear the nuclear explorers, <laughs> the wilderness explorers are are still on Earth. Let's say that, yeah. They're leaving the the wilderness explorers there, and they're just nuking them out of existence. Uh, and then the Wallybots, ah, I fixed it! I fixed the plot hole. All right, all right, I got this. Woohoo! All right, so the all the humans being naive and gullible and dumb, uh, they get on all these cruise ships and they get sent up into space. But all the wilderness explorers know, nope, this is not what we're gonna do. So we're gonna stay here. And we're going to fight. So all the humans get sent up into space. And so the wilderness explorers are still on this earth that's dying and, and is uh, getting polluted and is about to, you know, fade away. And so the wilderness explorers are still there. By and large, it's ready to take them out. And uh, they uh, are, you know, that's when they start dropping the nukes. And Russell, being one of the last survivors of the wilderness explorers, decides that after they've infiltrated... Uh, this is after they put in the the directive uh, thing into by and large's system, which try after by and large figures that out. That's what sends them into the nuclear uh, warfare section of this war. Uh, so they've already put that in, and so Russell decides to get a take off his boot, his wilderness explorer boot, the magical boot, and he puts some dirt in there, puts some soil. And then puts a little plant in there. And he decides that he is going to leave this. So then their directive will uh, succeed. And so he hides it away in a refrigerator. As the nuke is dropping on his hometown. Or the wilderness explorer hideout. And then... And as we all know, refrigerators are indestructible. So... Apparently. Yeah. The reason that people quote unquote say that is because they're airtight which they should be technically just obliterated because they're not, like, made out of a super strong metal or anything. Maybe they are, I don't know. Uh, and so he hides the plant away in this refrigerator and as the nuke drops and kills him and the last of the wilderness explorers, thus erasing them from existence. And now all that's left and their only hope is this little plant. And hopefully, one day, their directive will come to fruition and take down the evil overlord company by and large. And that is our theory. A movie major's theory. That sort of fits. What do you mean it's sort of, what, the, the, oh, the movie major's theory thing? Doesn't fit as well as the game whatever That's theory. a movie theory. A food theory. Whatever. But hey, that's just the theory. A movie theory. <laughs> a film theory. A film theory. That's what they say. Uh, but we're in the movie majors, so we have to say movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's our. That's the, the theory. That started as a joke from Jake and then got my imagination running wild, literally wild in this sense, where I have created this whole war. Between the Wilderness Explorers, which is just this thing, just this, like, club that Russell is a part of. Ka ka rawr! It's just this little joke. And, uh, apparently they're a business company that goes to war with, by and large. So, hey, there you go. If you ever thought that was a possibility, uh, then you are just as crazy as I am. Hmm. But, hey, that's, that's a pretty sound theory. Another... Very interesting theory, one that, you know, has a lot of room to grow. This is just our little boot of a theory. And, and soon, we will grow and we are planting this tree. boot. We are planting this boot right now. And very soon, or not very soon, it'll take a while, but soon it'll grow into this magnificent tree, like at the end of Wally. And that's our theory. Are you okay, I'm going to stop that now. That whole game theory, ending film theory, 
Food theory? Did you know they have a food theory? That's crazy. Uh, I'm done with that. But yeah, we have planted our our boots of theory, and now it'll grow into this giant tree, just like the end of Wally. This fantastic movie from this fantastic company, and that is our Wally episode. So, final rating, I'd give it a nine point five out of ten. I'd probably give it a, about an eight point two out of ten. Whoa! What? Why don't you like this movie? I do like this movie as much. It's just not really. It's just not my favorite, but I, th- I still. I think I still think it's really good. Is there anything you don't like about it? Uh, not that I can particularly think of. There's not anything that stands out that I think was super bad, but um, no, not really. Not really. Not really though. Alrighty, so that is our Wally episode. What a note to end on. This is probably our best segue into an ending ever. I'm so proud of myself. Uh, yeah, so that is our Wally episode. Jake, close us out. So thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to watch Eli at Hollingsworth Enterprises. Watch me at GBA Studios. Studios. Watch both of us at Minecraft Madness, Hollingsworth Gaming, and the Movie Majors YouTube channel. Don't forget to check out the Is It Good podcast where Uh, we have Eli Spencer. I don't know this part. And also don't forget to check out the X-Files podcast with me and Eli Spencer from Is It Good podcast. We talk about X-Men stuff. If you want to learn about X-Men, go go over and check that podcast out. Humans in this podcast, and remember, this This is a recording. recording. It's It's Talking talking with style. Style.